Bobby, Garrett Cole might need to cheat to be at his best, but we don't. We come at you consistent every single week with our best. No sticky stuff. This week included, we'll talk the aforementioned Garrett Cole and his cheating ways, the sticky stuff, the struggling New York Yankees, Novak Djokovic's win at the French Open, the NBA playoffs, Christian Eriksen's scary moment, Le'Veon Bell's just fall from grace like no other. We play the odds at the Chatter Up Casino with a GOAT debate involving Tom Brady and LeBron James. And this week, I get to tell Bobby why he's wrong about the man of the hour, Chris Paul. You're not going to want to miss any single second of it. And if you're still convinced that we're cheating, then do your due diligence. Investigate us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, at Chatter underscore up. Or maybe you want to write a formal letter. Please do so and send it to our email at chatteruppodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And maybe you really want to do it in a super public forum. After you've rated and subscribed to our podcast, go ahead and write us a review where you say that we're cheating. I would be happy to have that conversation with you. But Jared, if you're ready to show them why we are honest, true podcasters, you ready to do this? Yeah, come at us. Check us. Check our hats. Check our belts. Check our gloves. It's all legit. You know. You know how we do. Nothing up the sleeves. And let's do this. And let's chatter up. Well, Jared, this is our last week for a little while. You sad about that? What? 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 Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I'm just kidding. It's completely predictable. You should expect that there's going to be another episode of Chatter Up every week, just like you should expect that Novak Djokovic, Nadal and Federer are going to win every damn major that ever happens, which is crazy. We'll get into that in a second. But Jared, we missed a lot in sports this last week. Let's get into it. Tell me, what did I miss? Where do you want to start, Bobby? Dealer's choice here. We got so much on the menu here. Where do you want to go? You know what? Let's start with tennis. We never start with tennis. Let's do this. All right, you just mentioned it. Novak Djokovic won the French Open this past Sunday, coming back from two sets down to win the title after having beaten Nadal in an epic semifinal match. Bobby, what more is there to say about this guy? It's funny because he's been around for such a long time. For some reason, it feels to me like he actually hasn't been around nearly as long as Federer and Nadal, although he, he pretty much has, and he's right there in terms of like total major championships. He might actually go down as the best to ever do it. Is that weird to you? First of all, like it almost felt like the finals was actually the semifinals when Djokovic played Nadal. Just ridiculous that Nadal has won, I don't know, 14 French Open titles, something like that. It's the greatest collection of talent in tennis history. It's unbelievable. Djokovic might go down as the greatest ever. I mean, also having grown up, you and I watching Roger Federer, that was also crazy. So Federer absolutely belongs in that conversation. And for me, is probably the winner right now. But listen, Federer's got five years on Djokovic. So he's got another five years to go win majors. Hats off to Novak. Hats off to Nadal. And tennis is just, it's the same as it's been for the last 15 years. Yeah, we've talked about it before. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's definitely cool in some ways that, It's like we talked about with Tom Brady, how like we were what, like nine years old when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. We were super young when like Federer won his first major and Nadal and Djokovic. And here we are years later and they're still without a doubt. Maybe, you know what? I I don't know if I would go that far. I don't know if Federer is still in that class 
he's still good. I'm not sure if he's still up there with the other oh, two he's guys. He's still great. He's still great, but it's like Djokovic is just a machine. You want to guess when Federer won his first major? I'm going to say 2005. 2003. The same year that Andre Agassi also won a major. Like, wow. it's it's just crazy how long this has been happening. Nadal won his first in 2005, and then Djokovic in 2008. Whatever, man. It's crazy, but it's like nothing ever changes. But, Jared, a lot has changed in the NBA playoffs as we shift to the hardwood. Kyrie Irving hurts himself in Game 4, and after a defensive-minded win in Game 3 by the Bucks, they came back in Game 4 with a... Harden and Irvingless Nets to take a commanding win and tie the series up. Meanwhile, PJ Tucker literally climbed on top of Kevin Durant and smushed him like a pancake. Are the Bucks the favorite to win this series now? I think they are, Bobby, as wow. of this recording. So we know for sure Kyrie and James Harden are out for game five. It's very much in question whether we'll see either of them again as long as the series goes. It's crazy though. Cause like the last time we recorded, we didn't even get into Bucks nets because the nets won game two by what a million points. And at that point I was just like, this is just a lock. Like the nets are going to win the finals because if the bucks can't stick with them, which they did not show the ability to do in games one or two without James Harden, even playing, how do they have any chance to win? And it's not going to be Milwaukee doesn't feel like anyone else really has a chance here we are a week later and like i said i think with the injuries now with james harden Kyrie out so you'd, you'd have to say even though the nets will be playing at home at game five i think we'd both say the bucks with the roster currently constituted against the nets without without Kyrie and james harden are the better team i think they're going to win game five and so without knowing obviously if who's coming back for games six and game seven they're going to be compromised, right? Like Kyrie, that looked bad yesterday. That looked like a real serious ankle turn. And James Harden, like we said, missed 18 games in the regular season with a hamstring issue. I would have a hard time believing he's just going to come back, even if he makes it back for game six and play 40 minutes without showing any effects of having missed time and being hurt with a hamstring. So as crazy as it sounds, I think they are now the favorites to win the series. Do you disagree? It's so hard to bet against Kevin Durant you know he's arguably the best player in the league right now mm -hmm. there's an argument to be made for that I'm thinking back to like 2016 when LeBron single-handedly brought Cleveland back from a 3-1 to win the finals and I'm like all right who had more talent beside them LeBron in 2016 in the finals or KD without Irving and Harden I think the answer is LeBron but, you know, like, how, how much can KD carry this team? I don't know. I mean, the refs were not calling a lot from P.J. Tucker. Now, was it good defense or was it a little overkill? I don't know. I don't know. If KD can come out and score 40, you know, just, like, be, like, the unstoppable sharpshooter that he is, yeah, he can make his team better. But right now, that's all, like, that's a long-winded answer just to say, yeah, I think Milwaukee is the favorite to win the series right now. They have to win two out of three, and one of them's at home. And if Harden's out, I mean, that's going to be tough for Brooklyn. 
Milwaukee might be the favorite to come out of the East, Bobby, but it's time for you to take a bow. You have been on Phoenix really since the beginning of the season, definitely in the last couple of weeks, and Phoenix just rammed through Nikola Jokic, the MVP, and the Denver Nuggets, sweeping them in four games just as that guy who beat the crap out of that Nuggets fan predicted in the stands. Phoenix in four. Bobby, are you at all surprised with how easy the Suns dispatch the Nuggets? I'm shocked, and I think the Suns are a great team. I think Chris Paul is showing why he's one of the greatest ever. We've already talked about this team and how good they are. I don't need to rehash it. I am shocked that the third-seeded team with the MVP couldn't pull out one game. And don't give me this garbage that things would have been different if Jokic hadn't been ejected in game four. Should he have been ejected? I don't think so. I don't think it was a flagrant two. I think it was a flagrant one. I think that he wound up and clocked him in the face unintentionally. He was going for the ball, but he was frustrated. That's a flagrant one. There have been Mm -hmm. way more severe things that have happened that have been flagrant ones. But you're telling me a Jokic-led, Mike Malone-coached Nuggets team couldn't win one game? I don't know what this falls on more because the Suns were phenomenal especially in the third quarter of every single game. They were phenomenal. But is it more on the Suns being great or Denver just pooping the bed? Because I can't say the other word. I think it's more the Suns, honestly. I mean, yes, Denver has to take some responsibility for this. Mike Malone called out his team multiple times during the series, calling them soft. Certainly not a good look for the MVP, Nikola Jokic, to go out in the second round without really putting up a fight. But... At the end of the day, Phoenix, no pun intended here, they're on fire right now. They've won seven in a row. Devin Booker is an absolute stud. Chris Paul looks like he's over that shoulder injury that plagued him in the first round series against the Lakers. I'm honestly surprised at how fast it's gone because we, we've talked about it before with Phoenix. It wasn't like a gradual really like buildup. Yeah, they were okay. They, they got hot in the bubble last year, but they've been irrelevant for I don't know, 10 years now. And all of a sudden now they have morphed into, I guess, the favorite in the Western Conference, right? And what changed? What changed, Jared? Chris Chris Paul. Paul. Chris Paul is the answer. Okay. Monty Williams is a great coach. Devin Booker is a great player. But the answer is Chris Paul. He did it with with the Clippers. He did it with Houston. He was with New Orleans and made that team, I don't know, respectable, relevant. where he got it. I mean, like, the dude's a winner. He is the best winner in NBA history that hasn't won a title. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. It's like a weird thing to call a guy a winner knowing he has never it's so won weird. a title. But It's so weird, but like he's he's unbelievable. And I, I, I would love to see a Jazz Suns conference finals. That would be amazing. But let me ask you this. We got Atlanta, as of this recording, down 2-1 going into game four. And we got the Clippers, who are down 2-1, to one, going to another game to L.A. against the one-seeded Utah Jazz. Jared, who do you feel better about coming out as victors down 2-1, the Hawks or the Clippers? I don't feel great about either of them, but I think I have to go with the Clippers because you can say definitively that on any given night, the Clippers will have the two best players on the court in Paul George and obviously Kawhi Leonard. That's not to say they are necessarily the two best, right? Because Donovan Mitchell is obviously a beast. Rudy Gobert can be a beast, but 
if I told you Paul George and Kawhi are going to be the best players on the floor for three of the next four games, that wouldn't surprise you at all. Whereas with the Hawks, it just seems like, like they, obviously they won game one. It seems like things have kind of flipped. And it's possible they're just not ready to take that next step yet. We spent so much time talking about the Knicks. The Hawks also won 20 games last year. This is their first real foray into the playoffs in quite some time. It's a really young team. And so there would be no shame at all in them losing the next two games. And they, they go out in five. And like it was still a great season for them. So I think for those reasons, I got to go with the Clippers. I tend to agree with you, but I also think we're gravely underestimating still Donovan Mitchell and just how good he is. Not to mention Rudy Gobert, who the defensive player of the year, three of the last four years. I mean, just Donovan Mitchell's unbelievable. Before game three, he hadn't lost a game in the playoffs yet. It's just, it's, it's crazy. He's so clutch. He can score from anywhere. He's ridiculous. And I think that's really tough for the Clippers to contend with. Granted, on the other side, you got Embiid against the Hawks, who the Hawks, I mean, I guess Capella is your answer for that, but there's really no answer. You just kind of got to hope he doesn't put up 40, like you hold him to, what, 30 or fewer points. But yeah, I, I tend to agree. I feel better about the Clippers. They have the more talented team. And if they came out of the West, no one would bat an eye. They'd be like, yep, that makes sense. Versus if it was the Hawks, we'd all be like, wow, what a, what a Cinderella run. You're right, Bobby. The Hawks don't really have an answer for Joel Embiid, just like Garrett Cole doesn't really have an answer for whether he ever used spider tack in what was one of the most awkward press conference exchanges that I have ever seen, where Ken Davidoff of the New York Post just straight up asked Garrett Cole, have you ever used spider tack, which is one of what we'll just call it sticky stuff, one of these substances that pitchers will use to get a better grip on the ball and increase their spin rate and Garrett Cole just really didn't know what to say just kind of stared into the camera and said like I don't really know how to answer that question basically answering it without answering it I mean you would think the Yankee PR people would be like okay this is a big story now the sticky stuff you might want to be prepared to answer the question of whether you've ever used spider tack during the game Bobby was that as awkward in exchanges you've ever seen yeah (laughs) if you haven't seen the interview go watch it it's like a minute it's super quick at least the question and the thing that stood out to me the most is like yeah you said he looked into the camera but as soon as the question's asked there's this uncomfortable pause that feels like it goes on for an hour and he's just standing there and no one's saying a word and everyone's like what's happening right now and yeah i agree it's, it's weird, right? Like, you're the New York Yankees. You should be ready for this. Not to mention, Garrett Cole should have been ready, too. This wasn't breaking news. Like, this had been out for a couple days. He had to have known, as probably the best pitcher in baseball, Sands DeGrom, he was going to get this question. Did he think, like, oh, they don't have the balls to ask me? No, of course they do. Of course they were going to ask him. And he just, like, it, it was the weirdest interview. Also, Loved it. Every minute of it. And Loved it. It was so great to see him just ugh, clean cut, you know, clean shaven, a Yankee and just has no answer. It was awesome. But speaking of the Yankees, Jared, the Yankees, as of this recording, are one game over 500. I'm going to put this question to you. Do you see a world where the Yankees a realistic world, become sellers at the trade deadline? 
Yes. At this point, you have to say yes. Am I, am I saying that is definitely going to happen? No, there's still too much time. But it's not just that the Yankees are playing terribly. They're in a good division. Like, we knew that was going to be a good division coming in. Like, we're obviously not surprised that Tampa Bay is really good. But I don't think anyone saw this coming from the Red Sox. The Blue Jays are obviously good. The Yankees are currently in fourth place. And it's not crazy to think that that's going to continue for the next few weeks, given how bad they have looked and how good the other teams have looked. So I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet if I'm a Yankee fan. But I'm right there because we're now 65 games into the season. They're one game over. Last year, they played a 60-game season. They finished five or six games over. So we're now at whatever it is, 130-game sample size where they're like, I don't know, seven games over 500. And that's not bad. But by the Yankee standards, that's not it. That's not going to get it done for Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman because that's not how that team gets measured, just winning regular season games. Yeah, I, I just... I don't get it. Like, first of all, I'm at a different point than you. I think that it's June 15th and this team is one game over 500. I'm hitting the panic button. We're, we're 65 games into the season. You know pretty much what you got here. There are a couple of exceptions to that. My 2005 Baltimore Orioles surely come to mind. <laughs> so like, yes, there's, there's time to turn this around, but the time to decide whether or not you're a seller or a buyer, they got three weeks. You got about three weeks to figure this out. And I, and I also like genuinely don't understand like DJ LeMahieu yeah. has looked like garbage. I don't get how that happens. You know, like I, he has been one of, if not the best pure hitter in baseball for a couple seasons. Now his on base percentage was through the roof. And now he's like, serviceable <laughs> i mean i don't get it is what's the problem here I, I i mean sure the pitching's an issue we knew that that could be an issue but they just lost seven nothing like they're not hitting either i'm not sure what's going on Do, could you can you pinpoint the area that like is the thing that's making them lose you just touched on it the offense really the pitching for the most part has been okay but it's the guys uh, basically other than aaron judge no one is producing in the way that we thought it was going to be. Obviously, you just mentioned LeMahieu. I would say he's culprit number one on that list. Like you said, one of the best players in baseball the last few years. He's like an average player this year at best. Gleyber Torres, yeah, he's hitting like 260, 270, but he's got like three home runs. He's not driving the ball at all. They're not hitting home runs. Giancarlo Stanton, other than that like two-week stretch where he couldn't get him out, he's been underwhelming. Gary Sanchez, overall, nothing to write home about there's just other than Aaron judge they haven't gotten any sort of consistency out of anyone from their lineup and that that's how they're built they were not built to win games with speed and defense they're built to hit home runs and if they're not hitting home runs they're not going to win a lot of games 500 Yankees in mid-June what a time to be alive am I right Let's finish off quickly with a couple of quick stories here, Bobby. Crazy story out of the world of soccer. Christian Eriksen, player on Denmark's national team, suffered cardiac arrest in the midst of a game. He collapsed, taken off on a stretcher. I actually saw the team doctor say, like, he was, like, literally dead. They're like, he was gone for, like, a couple minutes before he was resuscitated. He's in stable condition now. Hopefully he's, he recovers and he's, you know, he can get back on the field as soon as possible. But just a scary moment. 
Yeah, very, very, very scary. You know, Euro, the Euro is extremely competitive. It always is. It's like the World Cup just for Europe. But, you know, this is, this is, no one wants to see this, no matter how bad of a person anybody is. And he clearly wasn't. Seems like a fine guy. Horrible. Glad he's okay. Really happy about that. Hopefully he continues to play and he's all right. And finally, Jared, Le'Veon Bell goes after Andy Reid, says, I'm not playing for this guy anymore. Thoughts on that? What a trajectory of a career for Le'Veon Bell, Bobby. It was just like a few years ago, this guy was the best running back in football, clearly on a Hall of Fame track, holds out basically for a year. Steelers just let him do it. They let him walk, goes to the Jets, spends a year and a half in the dumps there, goes to Kansas City, and we were all like, oh, Le'Veon Bell going to Kansas City, I'm sure he'll be, look, you know, I'm sure he'll be good again, not necessarily the guy that he was, but like, well, how could that not work? Le'Veon Bell in that offense. And wasn't anything special, right? It was just like a classic backup running back, very replaceable. He's still unsigned. Maybe someone picks him up like in training camp after an injury, but can you think of anyone else that's had the, the fall from grace that Le'Veon Bell's had in the last couple of years? No, it's so crazy. He was literally the best player in football. If you played fantasy football, he was your number one draft pick. For always, years. For years. And then all of a sudden, just just nothing. Like, would it shock me if, like, I don't know, Bill Belichick took a flyer on him, you know, and threw him in there and made him into a star again? A star, maybe not, but, like, serviceable? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think he can still play. But just what a, what a drop-off, man. Unlike this podcast – which is on the up and up. We're trending in opposite directions here. It's summertime, Bobby, and you know what that means. Time to go to the Chatter Up Casino on the beach and play the odds, my friend. Oh, yeah. You are going to get rich playing the odds at the Chatter Up Casino so long as you can correctly tell me who will win a championship first, LeBron James or your nemesis, Tom Brady. (laughs) okay so you're asking me in reality to bet against one of these guys i mean it depends how you look on it bet on bet against but we're talking about two of the possible goats right i mean tom brady probably is the goat not probably he is lebron james it's arguable but whatever one of the i don't know five best nba players of all time just a, a specimen that we have never quite seen before who are you more confident in now, Brady's obviously more up there in age. I think he's what? He'll be 44 this mm-hmm. next coming season. Mm-hmm. LeBron, I think, turns 37 next December. So he'll start the season's 36. So there's a big age gap there. In terms of the teams, I mean, the Bucks are obviously defending Super Bowl champions. And the Lakers, though they went out in the first round this year, we both attributed that more to injuries than to decline in play, right? Like, I don't know if they would have beaten Phoenix, but with a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron, they obviously would have given a better fight than they did. So there's not really much to distinguish there. So it's kind of just LeBron against Tom. I don't know if I agree with that last point. I think Tampa Bay goes out, wins the Super Bowl, and then returns everyone. Yep. Everyone is back. And everyone's healthy. You know, other than, I guess, Tom's knee, you know, but we, like, assume that he'll be fine for week one. Yeah, he'll have some avocado ice cream. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. LeBron hurt, 
let's say he's fine. AD hurt. Let's say he's fine. Schroeder wasn't good. And I don't even know if he'll be back because I think he's a he's a free agent. He is. He's a free agent. And so, like, that was the third best player on their team or was mm-hmm. supposed to be. Who do you replace him with? Caruso's also out there. You're going to resign that guy? Oh, I mean, I, I think they will, but I don't know. KCP was okay. <laughs> you know, like he, he is what he is at this point. You know, exactly. So I, I honestly think Schroeder's the wild card here because he was supposed, he came in to be the third best player on that team. And he wasn't. Now, granted, he wasn't there the year before and they won, but I also think that's like not the best sample size. It wasn't a full season. It was in the bubble. It's just different. No asterisk. Just, it's just a different season. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm taking Tom Brady, man. Wow. He'll turn. The team is coming back fully healthy. Now, the counter to that is that had Mahomes been healthy and had the offensive line been healthy for Kansas City, does that game change? Maybe. Washington almost won. They almost Mm -hmm. won. So, like, how can you bet against Tom Brady? I mean, it seems crazy because the guy, like we said, he's literally going to be 44 years old next season we've never ever seen anything close to that like we both remember what Peyton Manning was at the end of his career like sure he won that Super Bowl but they won it in spite of it he was terrible and Tom Brady is still really good at age 43 going on 44 I want to argue with you because LeBron even if you don't think he is the best of all time and that's fair you don't have to think that He's a specimen, like I said, that we've just never, ever seen before. Like the consistency of having been one of basically the five best players in the league since what, year two of his career? Like it's been every year continuously. I think the big difference, though, is for whatever happens this year, if the Nets are healthy next year, I think they're, you're, they're probably the favorites. Yeah. Yep. And there's, there's just so much competition in the Western Conference. Let's just limit it to the West. You have Phoenix now. You have Utah. You'll still if, if Kawhi Leonard is back, you'll still have to deal with the Clippers. It's not to say the Lakers can't overcome any of those teams, but it's tough. There's a lot of good teams out there in the West. We didn't even mention Dallas. With the, I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on there, but they're still a good team. The NFC... Who really sticks out to you? Like, yes, you have Green Bay, but that's a mess of a situation. We have no idea what Aaron Rodgers' situation is going to be. The NFC East, there's obviously no one that really scares you there. Could a team emerge? Yes, but there's no one that scares you. Right. The NFC South, other than Tampa Bay, Drew Brees is gone. We don't know what New Orleans is. Atlanta is obviously taking a step. I mean, they just traded Julio Jones. They drafted four last year. There's the West. 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 You've You've got the Rams, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. To some degree, they're all a little bit unknown. I guess you'd say the Rams maybe are the biggest threat right now if Stafford can go in there and, and like really take control. But there's, there's no one within their own conference that really scares you. Like I wouldn't be surprised, neither of us would be surprised at all to see the Bucs back in the Super Bowl next year. And maybe, yes, you're right. Maybe if the Chiefs are healthy next year and there's a rematch, maybe the Chiefs just do away with them. But at that point, it's one game. Who the hell knows? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And then the, the last point I'll make about this is in order for the Lakers to win the championship, especially in the West, 
They need LeBron to be the best. Tampa doesn't need Tom Brady to be the best. They just need him to be good because he wasn't the best last year. No one thought Tom Brady was the MVP. He was good. He was much better than I anticipated him being. And that's all they need. Because if that defense is anywhere close to what it was last year, then they're going to be good. And they're going to learn how to win games because (laughs) how many games did we see Tom Brady throw two or three interceptions? And they were fine. You know, what did they finish with? They finished 11 and five, right? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, they lost five times. And yet in the playoffs, it looked like they were just an extra player or two above. And that's what Tom Brady gives you. The Lakers need LeBron to be the best player on the court. I guess maybe not if Anthony Davis is there. But like, even so, you still need him to be the second best player on the court. If he's not, it's a problem. Tampa Bay needs Tom to be like, okay. (laughs) And, And they'll be all right, which is why never again. Never again am I going to bet against him, man. I can't do it. New man, you have turned over a new leaf. Damn. Season two of Chatter Up. You're in for a wild ride. You know, Jared, I've spent a lot of time over the last year plus telling you that you're wrong. I think, every day, all day, every day. It's all yeah, I from you. I, I think I'm good at that. I'm good at telling you that. Whether or not you're actually wrong, I'm just good at saying it to you. But, Jared, it is time for the tables to be turned. Now, oh. it's been a while since I've received, like, significant flack from people for a hot take that I've had. And I think it's time to bring that back. Jared... Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets recently came out in a in the, in the press conference after game four. And he said, Chris Paul might arguably be the greatest point guard ever. It's, it's pretty good right now, if I do say so myself. High praise. So here's what I will say, Jared. It is time for you to tell me I'm wrong. Jared, tell me I'm wrong that Chris Paul is the second best pure point guard in NBA history behind Magic Johnson. I see what you did there. I see, you know, you're, tr- you're a tricky guy. You're a smart guy. You said the word pure before you said point guard. I did. I did. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that and run with it. So Malone said Chris Paul is arguably the best point guard in NBA history. I don't think he's necessarily wrong. I I mean, you could make the argument. It's credible, but I don't think he's right. I would agree with you. But just like Mike Malone's wrong, I too think, I also think you are wrong, Bobby, that Chris Paul is not the second best point guard, pure point guard in your, in your wording. Okay. Because to me, it goes back to, one of the things we said before, you cannot argue that he's not a winner. He is. I mean, you, you talked about it. Turn New Orleans into a winning franchise before he left there. Turn the Clippers into a winning franchise before he left there. Obviously, Houston, uh, you know, was great when he was there. Now he goes to Phoenix. Even last year, OKC. We didn't even mention OKC. Like, yep. nobody thought they were yep. going to do anything. And they were a playoff team last year. And now Phoenix, similar story. You know, people... People were higher on them than OKC last year, but still, here they are in the Western Conference Finals with a legitimate chance to go to the finals. 
And he's got a lot of accolades for his career. You know, I think he's an 11 time all-star nine time, all uh, first team, all NBA. He's been all deep, all NBA defense, but he's missing two things. One, like we mentioned, he does not have a championship. He's never even made a finals appearance. Now you could say, Oh, well, he hadn't gotten hurt in that rockets Warriors series. He doesn't get hurt in, you know, game six, the rockets or whatever game five was one of those games. Um, the rockets probably win that series. And they probably beat the Cavs. And if they do, this is a totally different conversation. But at the end of the day, they did not. They didn't even get to the finals. And number two, he has not won an MVP award. He's been in the league a long time, been a very good player for a long time, but not an MVP. And so I know you're going to take issue with me talking about Steph Curry because you said pure point guard. But let's, let's just talk about Steph for a second. And I'm not sure he's the second best, but he's just the name you could throw out there. Two-time NBA MVP. He was the first, I think it's still the only, unanimous MVP award winner. Three-time NBA champion was clearly, even before KD got there, he was the best player on a championship team, on a, on a record-setting team, a 73-win team. So is the, is the argument just that you don't think of him as a point guard in the same way you think of Chris Paul as a point guard? I think that's true. But if we line them up head-to-head... <laughs> This is where I'm going to get myself in some real hot water, man. First of all, Chris Paul has won a lot of all defensive selections. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot. I don't think Steph Curry has ever made one. Yeah. He's definitely not the defender. I mean, Chris Paul is not that guy anymore on a consistent basis, but you're right. Over the course of his career, he has been. He's made at least seven of them. I know that. The dude also, I think there is a lot to be said for the amount of teams that Chris Paul has played for and how many of them have been winners. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry's played for one team. And Steph Curry has played for a team with Draymond and Clay and KD. No taking anything away from Steph. I think Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. And I think that anybody that says definitively that that's wrong is absurd. There's an argument to be made for others. Sure. You know, whatever, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, whatever, name, name your favorite guy. But I could say that. And that's not a crazy take. He's a champion. He's an MVP, but I, I, I don't see him in the same category of point guard as Chris Paul, like Chris Paul's primary attribute, I guess I would say, is his facilitating two teammates. Mm -hmm. That's not Steph Curry's primary attribute, but on the other hand, like that, that doesn't, that, that shouldn't be like a layup one way or another. That's just like two different players playing the same position. Right. Chris Paul has won in so many different scenarios. And if, if he's able to pull out an NBA championship here, I think that really solidifies my argument. So I would agree with you there. If he actually pulls this off, I think, that, that that probably – I don't know if it vaults him into the number two spot. Still, it, it really depends what you think of Curry. And there's other guys too, but Curry is the one that – like I hear what you're saying, you know, he's more – this is kind of what the modern NBA is though, where it's like there's not so many of those kinds of point guards anymore. There's like ball handlers. And Steph Curry is for sure like the dominant ball handler on that team, but you don't think of him as a point guard in the same way you think of Chris Paul that way. But there's a couple other guys like I'm not, you know, Jerry West has gone. First of all, 
you can go two ways with that too. Like, is he a shooting guard? Is he a point guard? Plus he's obviously well before our time. So I, I'm like just sticking to modern guys here. Cause you could say Oscar Robertson too. Again, these are guys that like Stockton Westbrook. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Stockton. Yes. Westbrook, probably not that high, but you know, there's Allen Iverson. There's Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, two time NBA champion, best player on a, on a finals team. That's some, again, that's something Chris Paul has never done, but the two modern guys that, like you yes you can tell me that chris paul is better than them but i'm not sure are the coach of the brooklyn that's steve nash mm-hmm. again two-time nba mvp never made it to the finals but is that kind of point guard that chris paul is and like i said he's won the mvp award which, which chris paul has never done and jason kidd who while he never won the mvp award was the best player on two finals teams with the Nets then back when they were in New Jersey Nets and no one cared about them, although maybe no one still cares about them. But anyway, and then won a championship later in his career with Dallas. And sure, you could say Dirk was the best player on that team. Fine. Jason Kidd was still a, an important part of that team. But he made two NBA finals appearances. And again, like it's hard. It's not apples to apples because the Eastern Conference back then wasn't that tough. But Jason Kidd is still without a without question one of the best of all time and Absolutely. so yes what is it about chris paul that makes you definitively say he's better than jason kidd or and steve nash i'm thinking about like longevity of consistency so it, i mean if we look at like steve nash right he finished his career with the lakers and had like four mm-hmm. years there that wasn't the Steve Nash that you and I remember. The Steve Nash that we no. remember is the guy in Phoenix and and to a lesser extent, Dallas. Jason Kidd similarly ends his career in New York. You know, he has years with Dallas between 2008 and 2012 where he was good. But like, was he the same Jason Kidd? Uh, you know, probably not. Chris, mm. Paul's, Chris Paul's 36 and he's arguably the best player on the Suns. No, come on. He might be the most important. He's not. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Most important player on the Suns. And like, it's, it's so without Chris Paul, that Suns team isn't where they are. And I and and sure the same, the same can be said for kid and the same could be said for Nash, but he's 36 and he's playing like he's 26. He's cutting through the defenses, getting into the lane as good as he's ever done it. You know, and we're, we're talking about those guys that like turn back time, like Tom Brady and LeBron James. And I think Chris Paul in the same vein is there. I'm not comparing them to him. I need to make that Understood. clear now. Understood. But like he's done it for so long already and at such a high level. And he continues to do that and doesn't show really signs of slowing down. He got hurt in this past series and still looks as good as he ever has. I think there's a a longevity argument there to be made. And I just come back to the same argument, which is that the dude has won with multiple teams and not just two, but four and taken teams that had no business and has clearly been the secret sauce. OKC sucks, goes to OKC, playoff team leaves, they suck. Goes to Phoenix, Phoenix 8-0 in the bubble last year, still didn't make the playoffs. Go there, they're now the two seed, bordering on a championship team. It just, he clearly seems like the secret sauce, whereas these other players, not that they weren't vitally important, but that same X factor 
can't definitively be said about them as much as it can be said about Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong. I think it's a little prisoner of the moment, but it's weird because, so I, like I said, I think you're wrong. I, I think as of today, I don't think he has enough postseason success to say he's the second best point guard of all time. I like, I, I just have a hard time saying a guy who has never won an MVP and never been to an NBA finals is the second best point guard ever over guys that have a done both or just done one or the, or the mm-hmm. other. But it is funny that it hinges. So, so obviously we both said if they win the championship this year, it becomes a much clearer path to that. But really to me, you know, you just go back, that Houston Golden State series, how much that changes his legacy. Because if they win that series, we're saying, I mean, that was that was a Durant Golden State team. Don't forget, like that was Golden State at the peak of their powers. Maybe the that's maybe the best ever. team. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's maybe the best team ever. If they win that series and they win the championship, which you know, look, we don't know what would have happened, but they pro- if they beat Golden State, they're probably beating Cleveland are we even, is this even a discussion? Cause at that point we're saying Chris Paul was the, the missing piece was the point guard for the team that dethroned maybe the greatest team ever. And he has an NBA finals championship, even an appearance. So, you know, it kind of all hinges on that hamstring injury, but unfortunately that's just the way it is. Facts are facts. I think as we sit here today, for me, he has not done enough to solidify himself as the second best point guard of all time is it arguable yes but i don't think you can definitively say it it's weird being on the other side of this man being told that you're wrong it's uh it's weird i i i i feel what you feel yeah it's usually only a trivia thing for you so it must be hard to hear it in another segment yeah you just figure without you it's 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 not a good feeling but hey i stand by chris paul one of the best ever But speaking of one of the best ever, this podcast is. It's going to be back next week, episode 60. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to come back to you live and in person. And by live, I mean recorded. And it's going to be amazing. Do not miss it. Always is. We never miss. We're like Chris Paul in the playoffs. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. We're like Chris Paul (laughs) in the last round of the playoffs. We never miss. Come back next week. We'll see you then on the next Chatter Up.